you pray with me? Dear Lord, I pray that we would know you as, uh, as the God that uh, that song speaks about and we sing about. God who's given it all for us when we don't deserve it. Uh, who came down, who died for us. Jesus, you who, who left the, the riches and the majesty that we can't comprehend of heaven uh, to come down and hang amongst thieves and die for us that uh, you have given us salvation so for those here today and I don't know what everyone thinks about God or, or you or maybe they're trying to um, just own up or measure up or do some great works or, or be as moral as they can be I, I just pray that we had, would know you have paid the price you've, you've done it all and we can rest in that in our Lord and Savior's name Jesus Amen Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans 7. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Uh, They're up there on the table. Go ahead and take it if you'd like. You're welcome to get up. I know nobody does, but I say that every Sunday. But please take a Bible if you want. And I ask uh, our worship team to play that song to start off. Because it really, it, it ties in both to today's message and to this series we're doing called This Is Your Life. And the reason it does is because a lot of folks think of God uh, not actually who God is. Many of us think of God as I prayed about. You know, we, we try to measure up to God. We try to, you know, get in His good graces. We try to, you know, do everything that we can uh, to work or be moral so He will, you know, shine His face upon us. Or love us. And we don't realize you know, who God is, is that he has sent his son. He already loves us so much uh, and that he died for us. And I know that's like, I, I got that, got it, I'm cool, John Hugh. But man, we, uh, many people don't live that way. Let's put it that way. And, and they continue to try to measure up and be good. So I'd ask you today, you know, just starting out, I mean, you know, who is your God? I mean, who is, who is the God that you that you worship. We are, we're doing everything we can at Bellwether to build a church, to build a church. Now, I say that, and you might initially think, yeah, you're right, you know, on that corner, and, you know, we're, we're, we're building a church. But, uh, hey, I've said it, some of y'all have heard me for five years. I mean, church is not a building. But really, we should think of it like, hey, I'm taking my family or I'm taking kids to church, we're really, as a church, going to a site or to a property to worship. And that's what it is. This is the church, us as people. And so when I say we're doing everything we can to build a church, we're doing everything we can to build you. We're doing everything we can to build us together. And I'm preaching about this through the fall. You all have heard me say this. Actually, it's one whole sermon series broken up into three parts starting with your individual salvation, going to discipleship and as you go in the world, and then we're going to end with what the church should be around October, November. But again, it starts with us as individuals. It starts with who you think God is. It starts with this cliche, this Sunday school phrase, are you saved? Are you saved? Salvation. And I know many of you would say, yeah, man, I'm saved. You know, walk down the aisle, raise my hand, 
did the prayer, all of that, and, and, and that's great. But I think, honestly, many of you aren't saved, number one. Number two, I think many of you are saved, but at some point you've like gone off track in what I would call defaulting to religion. What's religion? Religion is, you know, trying to measure up to God, trying to do what I have to do so he will smile on me and I'll be in his good graces. So that means, uh, yeah, don't drink. If I'm single, don't sleep around. And, uh, and you know, be pure and faithful to my wife and, and be a good dad. And, yeah, come to church because I need to go to church and all that. It's religion. It's religion. It's not the gospel. So I do believe some of you in here aren't saved. I also believe some of you have salvation. But, man, you're exhausted because you're working to try to earn your salvation. And we're not resting in Christ. So... That's what we're going to talk about today, and um, I wanted to start reading Romans 7, verse 14, through Romans 8, uh, verse 2. And I'm going to go through this very slowly, uh, and then we will uh, talk about some stuff. So Romans 7, beginning with verse 14. Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions. That's a powerful sentence. You ever felt, I do not understand my own actions. I want to be good. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. And yet I sin over and over. Paul says, I don't understand why I do what I do. I'm going to have a little commentary, so bear with me. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. Nothing good dwells within me. That is, I mean, powerful words from Paul. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. I love that sentence. I can will what I want to do. I can will what is right, but I still can't do it. Hey, we got some strong will brothers and sisters here. And y'all are working hard with your will to do what is right. And Paul still says, and Paul had a, Paul had a pretty strong will. You can read through his letters. He said, but I still can't do it. For I do not the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I end up doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. And then chapter 8, which I said last week and I'll say it again. It is uh, arguably Romans 8. I could just say Sunday after Sunday, just read Romans 8 this week. It is uh, arguably the best, the greatest chapter in, uh, in Scripture, in the Bible. And these two verses are... Set a good stage for it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I want to read that again. 
There is therefore now condemnation or punishment, okay, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That is the gospel, that deserving of many amens and hallelujahs. But just to break it down a little bit more, I mean, Paul's talking about, he said, he's, there are two laws. There's the law of the flesh, the law of sin. There's uh, the law of trying to even do right. There's the law of religion. And then he says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. A law sets you free. It's so radical. The law of the spirit in Christ Jesus, the law of the gospel. What is that law that, that we are free in Jesus, that Jesus Christ has done it? It is the gospel versus religion. And, and I would argue, so many of us, look, myself included, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat up on myself some today, so I won't have to beat up on y'all, but I revert to religion over and over again. I mean, a lot of us type A personalities get it done, you know, let's do great, let's achieve, and let's be good. Hey, I'm a pastor, I need to look good and be good and all that. Religion. And don't rest in the freedom of the law of the spirit of the gospel. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. So I want you all to try to see this. I want to try to help you all see this. I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to use um, PowerPoint. Uh, We've done scripture up there. But today I want to use PowerPoint. And I've got uh, kind of in honor of the Ten Commandments. Ten thoughts or slides. And so or questions for you all. And it's going to be based on uh, the religion or in the gospel. Religion versus the gospel. So if you can put that first slide up. Uh, let me break this down even more for y'all. You're like, I don't even religion, gospel. JJ preached a couple weeks back on the gospel. I say a lot of us just live by religion. I say, hey, I live in religion, good works, moral achievement, all that. So we have these slides. And religion versus the gospel. Religion is this. I obey, then I'm accepted. The gospel is, I'm accepted, so I obey. Does that make sense? And, and so many of us, me, you know, I think, well, I will be accepted and I'll be good the more I obey over and over again. And we fall in this trap of trying to live our life out of works and then God will smile down on us. Well, the gospel, we're already accepted. We're already, we're already loved more than we can ever imagine. And when we get this, we, we want to obey him. Let me make it simple for you. Do you spell Christianity do? Or do you spell it done? It's really as easy as I could put it. I mean, really, is your faith, is, is why we're here, you could just simplify, is it do? I got to do this? Or is it done? And rejoice. And I obey because it's done. It's two totally, way, two totally different ways of looking at our lives and our faith. Would you define your faith or your Christianity as work? Oh man, I got, I got to do my devotion time. I got to get my quiet time. Preacher says that. Hey, I got to go to small group. You know, even though, man, I mean, it's, it's turned into a dud. I mean, I, I need to do this or, I, you know, I try to get out. Hey, I got to go, you know, help clean up church because, you know, I'm trying to you know, be an upstanding Christian, or I'm trying to, you know, really get God to truly forgive me of these sins that I did this week. So, you know, I can't just repent on my knees. You know, he needs to see me working and earning it. Is it work or is it rest? 
and resting in what Jesus has done. The gospel's rest. The gospel's done. The gospel is we're already accepted, so we obey. But a couple questions. So first question would be, next slide, what motivates us to seek God? Like what really motivates you to, uh, I don't know, come to church or go to a small group or, or serve or, or do your quiet time? I mean, what motivates us to seek God? In religion, it is a lot of times fear. You know, I, I'm afraid God might punish me if I don't do this. A lot of times it's insecurity. Hey, I, I need to show up and, and be a good Christian so people think well of me because I'm insecure. Uh, it's work sometimes. Hey, I, you know, we got to go to church. Uh, it's a burden. I mean, is your faith, I mean, is, is coming to church, is, is going to a group, is going to a Wednesday night service, is, is it a burden? Is it a burden over and over again? That it might be religion and not the freedom that's in the gospel. When we're motivated to seek God through the gospel, it is one of, of joy, of relationship, of love. When you know that, man, God is smiling down on me and God loves me and I want to grow this relationship. I mean, I, I'm joyful to come to church and fellowship with some other broken brothers and sisters uh, and worship and, and hear a word from the Lord. It should be joyful. It should be all about the relationship. Should be no burden in Christianity. I don't want there to be any burden in coming to church or serving or, you know, whatever it is that you do. It should be joyful. I mean, you know, you break it down as as kids, as our sons and daughters, or when we were young. You know, do we have to? We always want to work so our parents would love us and accept us. I mean, we need to know that. I mean, your heavenly Father, Daddy God, is is smiling down on you right now. I mean, right now. Before you take communion, before you come to the altar, or before you... I mean, right now, he's smiling down on you, your Father. Our motivation should be one of joy. Next slide. Question, why do you obey? Why do we obey? Why do I obey? Religion is often like this. I obey because if I do, God will do blankety-blank... For me, whatever that might be. As in like, you know, if I, if I live healthy and eat right, God will uh, keep me, you know, young and beautiful. And hey, you know, I can still, you know, you know hang out and drink a couple glasses of wine. And hey, if I need to, I'll do the Botox, but I'll still look restful. If I do, and if I, you know, just keep myself well, God will give me beauty. Hey, if I, uh, you know, am smart with my money and have integrity and everything, God will... Make me wealthy. Hey, if I stay pure as a single person, God is going to give me my soulmate and the love of my life. Hey, if I don't cheat on my spouse and if I stay faithful and really just serve him or her, God is going to give us this wonderful marriage. Why don't we obey? A lot of times it's if we do this, God will do that. Not true. I mean, you're like, well, maybe sometimes, but over the course of life, no. No. Read the book of Job. Read the book of Job. To to paraphrase it, Job Job does everything right. And all hell breaks loose in his life. 
And actually, most of the book of Job is you have his friends saying, you know, okay, what was it that Job did wrong? Because he did something wrong. And God's like, nope. He actually did it all right. Often we obey for the American dream. We do the right thing. We, we go into religion because we want to look healthy and beautiful and have the soulmate and the happy marriage and, oh, yeah, be wealthy, thrown in. and all. So we, I'm going to do the right thing, and we tie religion into that because God will give us that. Now, the gospel is something different. The gospel would say we obey. We are to obey God because we're going to see more, God, more of God when we obey as in like we're growing in a big theological word here, sanctification, and God is going to show himself to us more and more. God's going to reveal himself to us more and more. We're going to see God more. And many of y'all are going through uh, a lot of tough things in life. Many of y'all, things are hitting the fan. thing is, if you see God, I mean, if you see God, you can go through anything. I mean, divorce, cheating, addiction, you know, loneliness. If you see God, if you see God, you can go through anything. So the gospel is, is not, hey, I obey, so I'm going to get something. I'm going to get, you know, my wish list. The gospel is we obey because we get to see God, and he will make himself more and more known, and we can go through anything with him. Next slide. How do we deal with painful, hard times? Many of you are in pain right now. Uh, many of us have gone through painful and hard times. And religion, or our, our human reaction is, first off, we get angry at God. I, I've talked to so many folks who are like, you know, I'm in this stage right now and I'm kind of angry at God. You know, me and God, like, really, we're not right because I didn't deserve this. And, you know, it's, it's like you're thinking, you might not say it, but God, you know, put this on me. Angry at God. Angry at ourselves. Some of us are, are, are a little bit softer and we don't blame God. We're like, you know, I just didn't measure up. You know, I'm just a failure. You know, I'm just, you know, don't have any gifts. You know, not, I'm just weak. We just blame ourselves and get mad at ourselves and beat ourselves down. Or we, we really think, and some do this, that God punishes you. I mean, I've, I've t- people have said, you know, I really think God is just punishing me. I don't, I don't deserve this. I haven't done it. I mean, what, what did I do to deserve this? God's punishing me. And that's what religion says. The gospel, though is different. Yes, there's going to be struggles. Yes, there's going to be hard times. But God's grace is evident and sufficient through them. Romans 8 again, Romans 8, 28. All things, not some things, not a few things, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. All things. So there's going to be struggles It's going to be tough. One reason we need the church and the body and we can't do this deal, this Christian deal on our own and we got to be together. It's a struggle. It's tough. But God's grace is working through those tough times. And yes, you can go back and read Job. Sometimes God gives tough times to stretch us, to prune us, to reshape us and remake us. And God does those things. But we can be faithful that... That God's grace is, is abundant. I mean, going back to the American dream, you know, USA, you know, work hard, good life. We don't believe in pain or painful times. We just, you know, keep going on through, pushing through. It's going to happen. But 
we're not being punished by God. Let me, let me say this. Our punishment, our punishment happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. And it's done. There's, there's no punishment from God in Christ. His grace is sufficient and it works through painful times. Next slide. How do we deal with criticism? Boy, this is fun. And um, talked about this some last week. And I am not, uh, I am certainly not an expert on this. Uh, and I believe that how we deal with criticism really shows what I call the sin beneath the sin. You know, we have these external sins. Hey, we, we swear, we lie, we cheat, or we steal. But there's a sin beneath the sin that's pride. And this world that we live in, this, this bubble, this society, it's filled with folks who will criticize who will tear down or pull down or beat down or knock down. Make sure nobody gets ahead. Let's try to stay all on the equal playing field. So as Christians, how do we, how do we deal with that? Religion, usually we're either devastated or defensive, one or the other. Devastated, how could that person say that about me? I thought she was my friend. I thought he and I were bros. How could you, man? Or defensive. It's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm right. I'm perfect. I'm, I'm good. That, you know, I said last week, like, I'll give you the 98%, but I'm going to hold on to this 2%. Okay? You're not totally right. I, I'll give you a little bit, but no, no. Sound familiar? I mean, it does to me. In the gospel, in the gospel, we are free from the approval of others. Could you imagine that? Totally free from people's approval. Totally free when people criticize us. We're not devastated. We don't buck up or rear up and get defensive. We're free. You know why? Because our identity is in Christ. We, we literally know. You know, you're probably right. You know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not all that I'm cut out to be. I'm not that great. I got, I got major flaws. But you can freely and joyfully say... My identity is in Christ, what he's done. When I stand before God, and you're right, man, sinful. When I stand before God, though, God will see Jesus. That is, that is the gospel. And so I believe you know you're kind of getting the gospel when those you know, nitpicks or, or maybe they're daggers or critiques. You're like, you know, probably some truth to that, and I'm okay. Because, you know, at the end of the day, too, if you... And, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe 90% or maybe 98% or maybe, I don't know. But y'all would say, hey, I'm saved. I got that. Well, if you're saved, and this is how you really know you're saved, then you accepted criticism. You accepted God's criticism. You accepted criticism in that you can't do it on your own. You accepted criticism in that you, me, we're a sinner. You accepted the criticism, if left on my own, I will bust hell wide open. So if you're saved, I mean, seriously, if, you, if you're saved, you accepted that criticism. True salvation, because we need Jesus. You're like, I'm, I'm guilty. I stand guilty. I can't do it on my own. So think about that when that critique happens. Think about that when that next criticism. Hey, we've already accepted. If we're saved, we've accepted a major criticism. Next slide. 
Another question. How do we pray? How do we pray? In religion, 95% of the time we're asking for things. It's called petition. Asking for, you know, maybe, maybe it's a way of life. Maybe it's, oh, you know, I love this person. Please heal this person. I love this person. Please reconcile this person. I love this person. Please, you know, heal their heart. Those are good prayers, but we're asking for things. We pray for ourselves. Please help me get this job. Please help me find my soulmate. Please work out my marriage. We pray for things. We pray really to control our lives. And ultimately, we have no control. I mean, this is a hard truth, so I'm, I'm speaking it to me. We really have no control of our lives. It's in God's hands. And so we pray for these things, which can be good, but we make them idols. It's religion. The gospel, on the other hand, we pray. It's tied into what our motivation is, joy. We pray for adoration. Do you ever pray like that? I mean, do you, do you come to the altar and, and pray? Man, I love you so much, God. Thank you, God. Man, I, I want to praise you, God. Do you, do you pray like that? Honest, I don't much of the time. I, guilty as charged, I pray petitions. I pray needs. Please, dear Lord, help our church grow. Please, dear Lord, help us make this transition. Please, dear Lord, I, I know so-and-so are these. Please help them. Go out. That's my prayer life 95% of the time. I told you, it's on me today. Gospel, it's already done. It is already done. And we should pray for adoration. We should pray for connection. We should pray like, man, I just want to be near you, God. I just want to be close to you, God. I just want, just want to feel your love, God. Just overflow in me. It's the gospel. You parents out there, this makes it, this will make it easy for you. Parents, I'm a parent. Are we more joyful when our kids want stuff or they want us? Are we more joyful when our kids want to use our love to get their stuff or they want love from us? And it happens all the time. Kids want stuff. Hey, talk to me. You know, use me. Get their stuff. Next slide. How do we see ourselves? This is a good one. Religion. We go back and forth between Pride and confidence to insecurity. Religion, we live life as a roller coaster. My wife can tell you, John Hugh lives his life as a roller coaster. And some of you may be right there with me. What I mean is like, I'll hit the spiritual high and I'll use these Christianese. Oh man, I'm in such a good place. I'm really growing in God. Man, I've God's so close and we're just like this. Just, it's, it's good. And then just depressed and like devastated. And where is God? And I don't see him at work in my life or in my kids. It's just a roller coaster. Does that sound similar? How do we see ourselves? We base ourselves on achievement. We base ourselves on morals. That's religion. The gospel, again, our identity is in Christ. The gospel, again, it is done. It's not what you do. The gospel is you can only stand before God because of what Jesus has done. The gospel is we don't have to rest. In, oh, you know, I hit this this week, this high, and you know, I'm down this week. The gospel is identity is in Christ. Gang, I know you're like, some of you be like, what are you talking about? It's a radical thought. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Some of you may have never heard this before. Some of you, all you may have heard is some five-step sermons on here's how you do whatever you need to do to get it done and have this great life. 
It's not the gospel. It's religion. The gospel is it's already done. You can be joyful. Your father loves you. And you can see yourself. And some of you see yourself as very broken. Some of you see yourself as very sinful. Not like in a repentant way. In a more depressed and, you know, just a dark way. And you are beautiful in God's eyes. You're his creature. He loves you so much. You can be joyful in that and have hope in that and, and praise that. One phrase, I think it's on the PowerPoint, but the gospel is maybe hard to say, maybe, maybe just very hard for you to, to fathom this. It's true. This is the gospel. I'm so bad he had to die for me, yet so loved he was glad to. That we are more lost than we believe. And for us, you know, success seekers and type A and picket fence and live in the right zip code. And all, it is hard to get that and hard to imagine that we are more lost than we will ever realize. Yet more love that we could ever dream. More love than you could ever dream. Many of us just go through life seeking love. It is already there. All the love that we could ever want. In Christ. Next slide. How do you define yourself? Ties into how you see yourself. Religion, either how hard we work or how good we are. Morally, hey, you know, I'm doing this, doing the right stuff, going to group. Hey, I'm helping with youth, I'm leading a youth small group. Look at how good I am. Hey, I've worked hard. Hey, I'm thinking about running for office. Hey, this deal came in, I got a windfall. You define yourself by that? You define yourself by service at church? Define yourself by being in the worship team? Define myself by preaching? Define myself by being a pastor? Oh, I'm a great Christian here. Define yourself by leading children's ministry? Define yourself by starting a small group? Define yourself by starting a church? Define yourself by going on mission trips? Define yourself on being rich? Define yourself by being powerful, by status? That's how we roll. That's how I roll. It's not the gospel. Because we're always superior to somebody. Well, you know, you know, my church is this, but at least, you know, at least we got a building. You know, I'm not like that church. Hey, you know, my, my life seems in shambles, but, you know, at least the marriage is still together. Hey, you know, money's hard, but, you know, at least I can look good at church. Not like, you know, Joe Blow or whomever, you know, just walked in, look what he's wearing. We're always superior to somebody. We are when we're living that, that way. The gospel, again, Identity is in Christ. We can say, we can only say, it is by grace, it is by grace that I am who I am. And I, I'll say that same, it is by grace that I am who I am. It is by grace we are who we are, by his grace. Next slide. How do we live our lives? And this ties into a question. What is your hope? What is your saving hope? I mean, really, what is, what is your saving hope? Is it, is it status? Is it money? Is it your kids? Is it your kids having the right friends, which starts really early, like three years old? Is it, uh, is it a new house? Is it something better? Is your hope, hey, I need, if I can just get a better boyfriend or girlfriend, I can just get a better spouse. If I can just get a better house. If I can just get a better job. I mean, that's like the saving hope for many of us. If I can just get a better church. If I can just get a better preacher, if I can just get a better worship style, if I can just get a better build, if I can just get a better this, that's our hope. That's our hope in religion. The gospel 
the gospel is there's a lot of good things in life. This church, this building is a great thing. Relationships, a great thing. Relationship with my parents, relationships with my wife, relationship with my kids, great things. But they're not the best thing. The best thing is Jesus. The best thing is what he's done for us. The best thing is our relationship with him. And if those other good things are taken away from us, there's truly a limit to how much damage they can inflict on us. That's the gospel, because we have the best thing. We have Jesus. So last slide, it's just a simple question. What then is our hope, our true hope? It's Jesus, it, and it's only Jesus. Y'all can, man, I'm, I'm more serious than I've ever been in a sermon, because so many, if you took those ten questions, there, there are so many that, the hope is not Jesus at all. And so what you know, I'm pressing myself for, what I'm pressing our church for, and it's imperative making this move. I want to see, see changed lives. I want to see true salvation. We build a church, and it starts with the gospel. And so many of us default to religion. I'm going to close with this. Why do we default to religion? Because we don't know the beauty of the gospel. We don't know the beauty of it. You're like... What is the beauty of the gospel? Well, the beauty of Jesus. What is the beauty of Jesus? You mean he's good looking or something? No, the beauty of what he has done. The beauty of what he has done. You see, the gospel is that God is perfect. If we can fathom that and imagine that, that God, Heavenly Father, and I know all of y'all are like, I know that. Got, no, seriously, stay with me. Bear with me. This is really, this is life or death stuff right here. God is perfect. He's perfect in his majesty. He's perfect in his holiness. He's perfect in his justice. And then he created us. And he created us good. He created He knit you together in the womb. He knew you before you were conceived. And he, he gave you good gifts. He gives me good gifts. He gives us good gifts. And yet here we come in our rebellion. In our rebellion. Wanting to be our own king. Wanting to do things our own way. Wanting to have our say. Wanting to sit on the throne. Wanting to be our Lord and Savior. You know, and if you read stories in history or even fairy tales, kings, what do kings do to their enemies? They usually crush them. So the king of kings, and we come into this world, and we're in rebellion. And I know it's not like explicit sin. We're all good people, but like we want to be lord of our lives through our work, through our finances, through our, through our power, through our relationship. We want to be lord of our lives. And that's why I say our punishment happened 2,000 years ago, that we were deserving of punishment. In the Old Testament, when there was a sin, somebody had to die. There had to be a sacrifice. David gets this in Psalm 51 when he cries out, against you, Lord, have I sinned. He didn't sin against Bathsheba. He didn't sin against Bathsheba's husband. He said, against you, I've sinned. So it's, it's not like there's little sins or weak sins. We're all in sin. We all deserve to die. We all deserve punishment. And then it's when the beauty happened. God loved us so much that he's perfect and just. And he said to his son, I'm sending you on their behalf. And the son, the son of God, creator of all that is, he left the riches, the majesty, the glory of king of kings, lord of lords, to come, not just to come to earth, but to hang amongst thieves and to take our sacrifice and say this is for them 
It's for you. It's really personal. It's for me. He did that. Jesus says, my burden is light. What God asks of us, what salvation is, is to say, I can't do it on my own. I'm exhausted. This whole self-saving effort of, you know, just working hard and, and trying to look perfect and still going out and having that glass of wine and maybe hitting the Botox if need be to look beautiful and successful and still be a good mom and a good dad. I'm exhausted. I can't do it. And more so than that, it doesn't, it's not going to give us salvation. It's not going to give us anything. Jesus, I need you. Help me. What is the beauty of Jesus? I'm going to close and just read this. Only when we wake up every day and say, here are the keys to my life. Every day. Here are the keys. Jesus, I don't want you as co-pilot. I don't want you just in the pastor seat. Here are the keys. It's a life, Jesus, I desperately want to control by being good and being religious. Yet, honestly, I have no control over it and I'm just exhausted. When I give that control away and repent every day and say, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not mine, but yours. I will feel you, trust you with my whole life. We have proof that Jesus is true and good. He came to us. He lived a perfect life. He died an ugly death so we could forever sit in his presence and be adopted into his kingdom forever, forever, billions and billions of years. All because of Jesus. Our hope is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, untouchable. No one can take that away. In a life where everything, everything, our status, our wealth, our houses, our family, our nation, everything perishes, everything perishes. Our hope is in Jesus. Our only hope is in Jesus. Will you give him the keys? Will you trust in him? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we live to be good and live to achieve and I, I just first off I repent of that in myself uh, I try to be my own savior I try to be my own lord uh, I pray for things or, or just people I love or needs dear I pray that you'd help me see uh, my own sin more and more I pray that you would help me live a life of repentance more and more I pray that I pray that people would have true salvation and dear Lord we we default into religion so, so much for good works and good behavior and a good life. I pray that we would know that you are life. Dear Lord, I, I want it for myself. I want the gospel. I want to live the gospel. And I want it for these, your people. And I want it for this, your church. And I pray, you, whatever it takes, dear Lord, I, don't, I, I certainly don't want to be Job. And I don't want these people to be Job. But whatever it takes that will shake us and wake us up to your life, and it's in Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in him. Help us know it more and more. Change our hearts. In his name we pray, amen.